Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. first thing I want to ask people to, to work on is to really get clear about what is a vision so amazing that it lights you up. You know, you need to have that sense of purpose and uh, that rocket fuel that this is something that is really meaningful. Often people don't get in touch with what they really want and what would really be amazing, what would really get them a nine out of 10 on the excitement scale. If you don't have that, then you're feeling it's just a short, you know, should do and ought to do. And frankly, you don't really have the energy to go through the roller coaster ride that you might need to make it happen. So that's really the first step, I think, really getting clear about what's an ambition that is genuinely exciting. It might feel impossible, but what's the destination? Welcome back. I hope your week's been awesome so far. Now, if you haven't heard my recent conversations with the author of Offscript, Mastering Business Improv, Peter Margaritas, and with founder of Invested Talent, Ruben Kanya, then do go listen in. They're really well worth it. But stay here, listen to today's show first. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Richard Medcalf. Richard describes himself as what you get if you were to put a McKinsey consultant, a slightly unorthodox pastor, and an entrepreneur into a blender. Fascinating. Richard is an executive coach and leadership consultant to exceptional founders and CEOs, as well as their leadership teams. He's the founder of X Quadrant and host of the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. His clients are elite performers who've already achieved incredible things and still have the ambition to 10x their impact and influence and achieve something that, to them, seems impossible right now. So that work can involve one-on-one coaching, taking leadership teams to its next level, or scaling high-performance culture throughout the business. In our conversation today, Richard talked to me about why focusing on impact rather than productivity is important. We talked about building agreements with stakeholders to help us achieve our goals. And we talked about starting with a mission so amazing that it lights you up. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Richard Medcalf. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from beautiful Paris in France, 
Richard Medcalf, who's a leadership strategist and founder of X Quadrant. And he's also host of the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Richard. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Yeah, hi there, Jürgen. Yeah, in fact, perhaps I should say bonjour or whatever, as you've just uh, <laughs> me as, as being very French. Since I am French, but I'm also um, British, which might explain my accent today. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, there's an interesting background there and story, I'm sure. So you, you have uh, mixed mixed nationality parents, do you? No, I don't. Um, I never imagined living anywhere apart from the UK. Um, and then on a whim, many years ago, um, I was working in a consulting company. One of the partners said, hey, Richard, I enjoy working with you. And I'm heading off to Paris to help build out the office there. Why don't you come and spend a year or two? I said, well, I'll make it one year. We'll see about the second. Yeah. And went on a bit of a whim, packed my bags and uh, and went. These were the days before Brexit, so it was incredibly easy. You just had to turn up. And um, and uh, when I got there, somebody said, oh, you know, you either stay two years or you stay 20. And it's just been over 20 years now. Uh, I guess the deciding factor was I met my wife. And uh, although she'd be very happy to live anywhere else as well, she's very international. Turned out that I quite liked, um, quite liked being a foreigner in many ways. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I think you might be my first guest from Paris. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you you work with um, you work as an executive coach and leadership consultant. You work with exceptional founders and CEOs. In on your website, you say you know they're high achievers and they're really driven to get results but in some ways they're they're feeling as though they could be doing a lot better and your promise is you can actually 10x their performance using your techniques and your coaching so i'm really looking forward to dig into that Mm. deeper but before we do that what's the impact you're making in the world today well i'm i guess i'm on a mission to multiply the impact of 100 top tech ceos by 100 that's kind of my personal North Star. Uh, and in doing that, I want to um, mobilize $100 million for environmental and social justice causes. That's my kind of big 25-year North Star. And mm-hmm. I guess the reason for that is a few things, right? First of all, I believe that tech and digital, which is a lot of my background, you know, it are things which are really changing the world. They don't always change the world for the better, right? Or at least there's good things that come out of it, but there's also less good things. Uh, and so I love playing in that space where things are complicated, where it's complex, changing fast, and there's a real opportunity to make a difference. And, um, you know, and secondly, I, yeah, have this fundamental belief that when you're playing at a high game, when you've already achieved a lot, when you're in a position uh, where you've already demonstrated your competency, that's the perfect moment to go to another level. And that's, uh, that's what I love helping my clients with, really, um, and working on myself, right? How do we, how do we re-engineer the success formula that has already got somebody ready to a pretty impressive level on, on one side hmm. uh, and deal with deal with those fears and things which are coming out uh, about, well, can I really go beyond this? You know, is the cost going to be too great if I go further? Uh, am I really playing full out? Am I thinking big enough? All those things. We can get into that. But, um, yeah, if you ask what the what's the impact that I'm making, I'm... Um, yeah, I'm really looking to be a catalyst, right, for these high performers. Yeah, and I love the love the duality of the of the impact there in making you know an 
exponential difference with the clients you work with as well as taking money that you've earned and investing some of that back in the future of our planet which yeah and, and it's not always i say mobilizing so it doesn't mean that i need to earn 100 million right to do yeah yeah what i'm keen about is the, is leverage right how do we hmm. use the relationships networks um might be direct money coming in it might be connections but it's really about yeah releasing that 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 uh, hmm. world i don't need to yeah, well, i was having a having a chat with a podcast guest recently amy mellon um probably two or three episodes ago as we record this and she works in the space of connecting high profile people like for example hollywood celebrities with causes to run functions and so these are people that have money you know they don't they've got so much money some of them that they don't know what to do with and she helps them channel it into a very effective way so she's making all these big contributions uh money wise and of course making a difference to these particular charities uh with not using her own money right mm. so yeah it's interesting well, it's, it's interesting actually i mean this whole idea of, of impact you know i just because i define impact um as uh as, as affecting profit affecting people and affecting your purpose in the world and they all kind of reinforce each other so mm you can look which way the arrows might flow between those. They can pretty much flow either way. But what I find interesting, I was once working with somebody who was aiming to be a CEO. He wasn't quite a CEO at this point. Uh, and they were really struggling, saying, I want to give back. I have certain things that I am passionate about. Obviously, I don't have much time, but I'd like to find an hour or so, perhaps a week, to, to um, you know, work in a soup kitchen or something. I don't know what, something like that. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, hang on. You're this senior leader in this massive, influential tech company. And whilst I think on a spiritual level, if you like, there's something, you know, you know, very good about humbling yourself and just doing, you know, washing dishes, you know, and serving people. Mm. And it's great to do that. Um, but in terms of if you're actually thinking about the impact that yeah. you could make, why not use your network, your relationships, your skills, uh, your resources, the resources of your company? You know, why don't you look at how you mobilize those for impact rather than trying to eke out an hour? to do something which almost anybody could do on one level so mm. i said it's good to do it on that personal discipline level but don't limit yourself to that thinking that it's just the thing you have to do with half an hour an hour of your spare time look at how you use mm. everything yeah well that, that raises an interesting question in terms of, and i know i often fall into this trap and i think it's a trait of high achievers of here's an idea here's something i want to do and you start doing it and you forget that you have the potential to leverage other people leverage resources mm. and get so much more done because you can bring in other expertise you can bring in more concrete resources you know people hands hands to do the work um so yeah talk to us a little bit about that this kind of gap i guess or ceiling that we sometimes impose upon ourselves in in this productivity thing where we get to this point of saying you know i'd like to do more i'd like to have a bigger impact but i just don't have the time to do more that's right so when i'm working with my clients who, who tend to be uh, very often ceos or founders not always sometimes i work with their executive team uh, occasionally i run programs with kind of other up-and-coming leaders but pretty much wherever you are in the organization 
you hit what I call the ceiling of complexity. Most people believe that they're overwhelmed, overloaded, they've got too much to do, they're running fast, and they probably believe it's going to get better next quarter. That's what most people say. It'll be better next quarter. It's just a particularly busy period right now. Of course, that that perfect day never comes when it's <laughs> when you have time. So most people are really struggling with this overwhelm. And I define the ceiling of complexity is when you have no more hours in the day, most people's response to dealing with everything that's thrown at us, which I basically say is infinity, right? You have infinite tasks, mm -hmm. infinite emails, infinite uh, books to read, infinite people to meet, infinite content to consume, you know, whatever it is, it's always too much. Most people's response is to go faster, to hit the accelerator and just to try and do more using the success formula that they know and trust things that have worked for them in the past. At some point, you hit the number hours in the day. It's the ceiling of complexity. You can't go any faster. And people, most people stay there jammed at that point, desperately trying to figure out how do they get the other things they need to be doing. And the problem is this creates tunnel vision. It's, you know, it's human nature, right? When we're really focused on things and we're running fast towards them, we don't see the thing that's just in our peripheral vision. We, we just don't see it. You've probably seen that YouTube video of the, the um, basketball team and you're asked to count how many times they pass the ball between the different players on this basketball team. And so there you are counting one, two, three. And at some point, there's a guy in a gorilla suit who walks through the middle of the video. Mm. And at the end, the question is, did you see the gorilla? And mm. a lot of people don't see the gorilla because you weren't yeah. focused on the gorilla, you were focused on the ball. And so often I think success and breakthrough is so often closer than we think, but we need to mm. step out of this busyness to see it. It's, it's, um, I often say to my clients, what's the one conversation that would change everything right now? What's the one ask you need to make? Who's the one person to be speaking to? Or what's the one project that really needs to be done? And, and these are hard things to do when you've got your foot jammed on the accelerator. So the other path is, uh, is how to break through that significant complexity is, uh, is really, I find it's about investing time and not using time. You know, using time is when we just do things over and over again, the same thing on every project or for every customer or every week or every month, all the things, you know, the, the same old that we end up finding ourselves doing. It might be a new project, but we do the same things on that project that we did on the last project in, in a way, or we act in a certain way. Um, so there might be a whole variety of projects. You don't even see the similarities, but you're always the one who's doing the plan, organizing the team, and reviewing the quality of work, for example. The breakthrough is when you actually can invest time so that you never have to do that again. Uh, and that's where you start to create strategic margin, which is, Time in your week that you can use on the real high value tasks. And that's where you break through to another level. You know, we all have 24 hours in the day. So that's not the constraint. Um, yeah. because we all have the same. The constraint is how do we think about what's desirable and necessary in our lives? Hmm. Yeah. And it reminds me, I like how you said, how can I make this so I never have to do it again? Um, I have. I'm very passionate about documenting all the things that we do so that, um, you know, I've got, in fact, I've got a task that I will be doing tomorrow morning. It's, it's a reasonably simple task. It's taking a newsletter content from one format and, and, and bringing it into a website. Uh -huh. uh, but I did it a couple of times. The first couple of times I did it, it took me about two hours to get it all right. Um, 
and it's done monthly. So the second time I did it again, uh, started from scratch and it was a month later and mm. lots of water had gone under the bridge. Yeah, you can't remember. I'd yeah. basically forgotten how to do it. So it took me two hours again. And then the third time when I went to attack it and the same thing, and I thought, hang on a minute. And I reminded myself of something that I've got at the top of all our documentation for the business, which is how can I document this and give it to somebody else so that I never have to do it again, yeah. which is, and then I, then I documented it. And I, the fourth time I did it, it took me 10 minutes um, from two hours. So, you know, that's a, a great example of how much time you can save. And now, of course, I've got it documented so I can delegate it to somebody else. I say, here's what you have to do. And, you know, this is what the result looks like. Yeah, it's a good example. When I'm working with business leaders, I even though say sometimes, are you sure you have to document the task, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was working with um, a leader, of a finance leader in, in an organization. And, you know, he was really doing so much and completely overwhelmed because he was running some core processes. Earlier in his career, he had kind of come in, found everything a total mess and figured out mm. how to do it. He'd like plunged in the deep end, come out the other side. And everyone loved him because you know he was able to deliver all these processes. Mm. Of course, the problem was he was the only one who could then do this particular process, the sales commissions, the, um, you know, I don't know what else it was now, the, uh, the invoicing, you know, a, a few mm. key processes. So end of month came and he was the main man, you know? Um, but when he decided to look at it, you know, he really had some insights. I was like, okay, this this is taking probably 25% of my working life. And as I like to put it, this is not what's going to make you CFO, <laughs> right? These are the things which are keeping the lights on, uh, doing what has to be done. And of course, what was stopping him was he didn't feel he had time or even the energy to write out a big training manual showing all the, all the ins and outs. So we kind of, you know, I told him to sit with, sit with the question. Um, we did a few, we worked on a few ways to actually do it, but actually, well, first of all, even identifying it and having that mental shift that actually this is not the task that's going to make me successful in the future, even though it was the task that made me successful in the past. And then the question is, well, actually, how could I get my team to do this? I mean, actually, he learned it from scratch. His team could possibly learn it from scratch, and of course they don't need to because he is there. That's right. Uh, mm. But on the other hand, it's perhaps not down to him to make every documentation, right? Perhaps he could mm. take it, one of his teams through, and they could write, they could make the documentation as they go, or um, you know, he could have, let them have a go at it, and then when they get stuck, they can come to him. So there's different ways of doing mm. it, but it's it's a shift, right? It's a shift from from actually understanding what is desirable and necessary and important for me in this moment. So what I'm trying to encourage people to do is to focus on contribution. First of all, what's the maximum contribution I should be making in this moment? You know, what, in the next mm. six months, what's the ultimate contribution I want to make? When you do that, you start to move out of fear, you know, fear about what people think, fear of saying no to people, uh, fear of uh, perfectionism, you know, <laughs> kind of like, you know, am I doing it to the right standard? Because, you know, or can my team do it as well as me? All these things are kind of fear-based. Um, I was talking with somebody yesterday who was um, he's a marketing leader in a scale-up company and was a bit scared of pushing back against the founder and the CEO because he's the founder and the CEO. But I'm like, well, you know, your highest contribution is actually explaining to this person that what he's currently getting you doing is not the greatest use of your skills. And therefore, 
up to you to make the case and to explain to him why you should be working on these other things and how much impact that's going to make. And it's quite liberating when you can kind of come from that place of the greater good. You can have those bold mm. conversations with others. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'd love to explore the conversation aspect. Before we do that, though, I thought, you know, a lot of the, a lot of your work is in strategy and helping people develop strategies for sort of long term and medium term. So how do you how do you kind of get people to take a step back hmm. from that day to day activity, look at a strategy, look at, you know, where are the opportunities for change? Where are those opportunities to make just a little bit of tinkering somewhere at the edge? which probably doesn't cost much energy at all, but has that huge impact? Yeah, great question. So I suppose the way I... So first of all, it's to set the context, right? So generally when people are talking to me, it's really about probably one of two things. There's two different contexts, right? The first one is they're a senior leader, they're a CEO or, or you know, other C-suite leader, and they're looking to say, well, how do I... Uh, how do I get out the incremental and make some really bold moves and get my organization to follow? That's one scenario. And the other scenario is working with an executive team where the team are, again, a, a bunch of high performers, but they're not necessarily a high performing team. And again, almost mm. collectively, there is a, quite, there's a discussion to be had about how do we achieve something extraordinary as a team rather than just kind of going through the, you know, emotions and reporting in on our functions and, and doing our things. So both of these are really a question of how do we play a bigger game in some ways. Um, the first thing I, I want to ask people to, to, to work on is to really get clear about what is a vision so amazing that it lights you up. You know, you need to have that sense of purpose and uh, that rocket fuel that this is something mm. that's really meaningful. Often people don't get in touch with what they really want and what would really be amazing, what would really get them a 9 out of 10 on the excitement scale. If you don't have that, then you're feeling it's just a short, you know, should do and ought to do. Mm. And frankly, you don't really have the energy to go through the roller coaster ride that you might need to make it happen. So that's really the first step, I think, really getting clear about what's an ambition that is genuinely exciting. It might feel impossible, mm. but what's the destination? Yeah. And coming back to the uh, difficult conversations, the example you gave earlier. So one way to present that then is kind of share a compelling vision like that and share how that might contribute to the success of the business or, or maybe even a compelling vision for the business and couch it in, in that light and say, you know, I, I could be doing all this other stuff to have an impact to move us towards this vision or mission. Um, if we find a different way to do all this day-to-day -day stuff that I'm currently working on. Yeah, so it comes a bit later in the discussion normally. So first of all, I want to get people really clear about what would be an inspiring outcome, right? And then mm -hmm. the question is, what's the stretch for me in that? Like, what's going to be... Mm -hmm. If I want it, you know, how do I become the person that can actually make this incredible thing happen? Like, what would I need to be doing differently? Who would I need to be differently? And actually, it's the question of being that's often the, the game mm. here. But, but often we start to think about that. You know, how am I going to need to do that? Um, there's various ways we can we, we do that. But, but 
often one of the things that comes out is, well, I need to get rid of some of these. I'm in too much in the weeds, right? I'm, I'm hmm. doing these, these lower value tasks. So one of the shifts is to help them understand, well, what are those high value activities? If you could just do three things all the time, what would those three things be to really contribute to the higher? And if you had one project that was going to make everything easier in the next quarter, what would that be? So that might be, as you said, that might be documenting your process so that you don't have to do it again. Mm -hmm. It might be building a new capability, you know, launching a new product, uh, whatever it is. Um, so there can be different projects, but get a sense of what that is. But then the question is, well, what's the stretch? And, and, and you start to realize, um, well, actually, yeah, I need to be putting my time on these things. I need to be getting out of these other things. That's where you start to have the conversation around freeing yourself up. And so I find that this question of productivity comes in at this part of the process. For me, it's not the be all and end all. I don't see I'm a productivity coach particularly, although, but I just find that there is a moment where we're dealing with it. And the reason I'm not productivity coach is that when we think about productivity coaching, it's like, I need a tool, a tip. I need to like yeah, yeah. filters on my Gmail or whatever it is. I need you to do an app. But for me, this kind of what I call executive productivity which is freeing yourself up to be more strategic. That's actually not about a tip or a trick. It's about a mindset challenge. It's about a behavior challenge and it's about a leadership challenge. And that's why it's perfect for high touch deep coaching because the, the mindset challenge is normally we just don't believe some things are possible. I can't get rid of this to my team. My team aren't ready to take it on. I've got other constraints. It's going to take too long. I don't have the time. Uh, I need to be doing this, right? Or I don't have a choice, whatever it is. So there's a mindset to figure out. Normally, we just believe, we tell ourselves stories about what's necessary and desirable yeah, and yeah. possible. So you've got this mindset challenge. You've got the, the behavior challenge because there are new habits you're probably going to need to build. Um, and that does, behavior change takes time. And that's important to work on. And then you have, the leadership challenge, and that's Jürgen, what you were just mentioning around these difficult conversations, because the leadership challenge is, well, let's say you wanted to, you know, lose some weight, easy example, right? Lose some weight, right? <laughs> you might decide, well, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to go on a diet, not eat any desserts, you know, eat carefully or whatever. Um, limit my alcohol consumption, all these kind of things that people will say. Of course, what happens at that point is that um, you, the people who are most likely to sabotage that are your closest family, mm. right? They're, because they, they haven't bought into this idea of going on a diet. They don't want to go on a diet and they don't want yeah, okay. the fact that you are wanted to eat carefully, affect the meals that they eat. And so unless you enroll them on the process, unless you get their buy-in, the, all these behavior changes and ambitions aren't going to happen. Because they're going to say, oh, just a glass of wine or mm. hey, just a piece of cake or whatever it is that's going on. And it's the same in business. So the mm. leadership challenge is who are the people that I need to have conversations with to build agreements uh, around what I am and not going to do in the future? So as you said, it's once we understand where we're going and the contribution that we most need to be making, then it's time to go back to your, your boss, your board your team, your clients, and renegotiate uh, expectations. Mm. If you decide that you, you, know, you, um, you don't want to read emails 
every minute of the day, and perhaps you've, perhaps you've trained people all around you. Perhaps people all around you have been trained that you always respond pretty much instantaneously. So they've yeah, come yeah. to rely on that. The business process is, I'm just going to email Bob. He's always going to reply. Hmm. Um, that's the process which, if you suddenly go a week without replying to emails, suddenly you've broken the process that people have built around your reactivity, responsiveness. So... Um, part of the conversation is say, look, I've got a lot of work on, you know, a lot of really important projects right now. Uh, I'm not going to be able to respond to if, as I was before. So you're going to have to mm. perhaps expect a certain turnaround. And that conversation might be different with your peers or with your team than with your boss, right? But it's still a conversation that you need to have to yeah. create an agreement. And that's the leadership challenge. Yeah, that's right. It's managing those expectations that you've essentially built up by simply by the behaviour today. Yeah, it's like training a dog. You know, you do something, they, <laughs> yeah. they learn it, right? But we just we train yeah. people all around us all the time. Hmm. Yeah, I I like what you said about the productivity because um I I'm a bit of a productivity junkie. I have to admit that. Um, but the the one um philosophy that to me you know, and this is going back quite a number of years now, um, that all of a sudden made the difference. And, and I was, you know, I was doing various lists and things. And this is pre, pre-computer days. I was sort of running lists and trying to figure out the best way to keep track of things. Um, and then I read Stephen Covey's book, First Things First. And it basically said, you got to start off with what's your purpose? What's your purpose as a person of your life and then of course you know he translates that into the different um the different roles that we have in our life so family um partner children parents and and then in work and so to me that was a complete mind shift around the whole idea of productivity because then it was around you know focusing on those relationships and and the idea, I think he talked about the idea of North Star in there. That, um, and then, then look at, and he also, he, I think he might have been the first one to have this idea of the rocks first. Um, mm -hmm. And then he talked about, okay, what are the rocks that will get you to this mission, get you to this, yeah. uh, that are aligned with this North Star? And then if there's anything left, then you can put a few pebbles in and so on, sand and water. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really care about productivity. I care about impact, right? And that's impact, what I'm really yeah. focused on. And therefore, productivity is a tool. I mean, and productivity for me is simply: do we know what we're trying to do, and are we doing it, and are we creating time for the high-value activities? And it is productivity, you know. But for me, it's like in order mm. to do what, right? And for me, it's yeah, what, yeah. what's the impact we're trying to create? And mm. um, I think it's actually really helpful just to think about this because the belief. And the self-identity that we have is really important. So I was working with one person. He was a chief human resources officer of a 7,000-person, $2 billion organization. And he just made the C-suite. And I was working with him to help him really be less of a functional expert and more of a business and transformational leader. And we were working with really identifying some amazing projects which were going to be, um, which he wanted to deliver across the organization that was going to really transform the way the organization worked. And he came to me one day and said, uh, Richard, I think I need to talk to you today about email because I'm spending too much time in my email. Do you have any tips? And I'm like, well, I, whenever people say do you want tips, I always 
try to scratch a bit deeper. They don't need a tip from me. Again, I said, if, 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 they, if all they needed is a tip from me, they shouldn't be paying my fees. They should be on Google, right? So um, I said, well, yeah, tell me more. And we started to talk and, you know, explain that he was he would respond very quickly to emails. He'd have an inbox zero pretty much at the end of every day. And but he just felt, he felt it was good, but it was taking too much time. And so I was like, well, what's, um, what's driving you to have, you know, to respond so fast and have this empty inbox? He said, well, I suppose it's because I want to be a good team player. You know, I, I don't want to be that jerk who never responds to emails, who you have to remind, uh, you know, who people are waiting on so that they can do their work. You know, I want to be, um, trustworthy and, and, you know, responsive, responsive and, and reliable. I was like, okay, well, tell me for a second, you know, your boss is the CEO. And I was also coaching the CEO, so I, I knew him well. So I said, well, you know, what, what, what would he want? If he was if he was in the room right now, what would he be asking of you? So he thought, he said, well, I guess these three big projects that we've been talking about, I think, yeah, he'd want me to deliver those because they're going to make a big impact. Great. What about the uh, the shareholders, investors? What would they be looking for if they were... They were to walk in right now. Oh, well, I guess they'd say the same because these are going to really improve the efficiency of the organization and the ability to serve clients. What about the clients themselves? Yeah, well, customers, I suppose, yeah, the same thing, right? These projects, because when we have a more modern workforce experience, that's going to free up our people from doing all the admin that they have been doing and duplication of tasks and serving our customers. Excellent. Well, what about the team? What about the employees? Oh, yeah, well, they're desperate for it. It's they're fed up with these arcane systems. They want a more modern yeah. experience. So, we kind of went through this list. So I said, okay, so what you're telling me is that pretty much all these key constituents really want you to be spending your time on these transformational projects that you're leading. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So I was like, well, at this point, can I suggest that you're not actually being trustworthy and reliable when you're doing your emails, yeah, yeah. you're actually being untrustworthy and unreliable because you're getting paid the big bucks, bucks for these transformational projects, frankly, and you're not doing them. Hmm. And that's when the penny dropped. You see, this is the mindset shift, as I talked hmm. about, right? It's the mindset shift. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, actually, my identity is not the trustworthy guy who replies to emails. My identity is a trustworthy guy who is delivering on these big projects. And I've seen it time and time again. When you get this kind of identity shift, this mindset shift, mm. what becomes desirable and important shifts, that's where you see the breakthroughs. Mm. Yeah, I love it. It's a great example too. And, and, you know, going through the reminding ourselves, I guess, and, and that's where you add a lot of value probably is challenging the thought process, but reminding ourselves what, you know, where do I add? The most value where do i provide the most or hmm. enable the most impact and enable others to have the most impact and it's probably not answering emails well somebody um somebody said to me recently which i love is like no great business or life has ever been built from the post room right from the <laughs> mail room yeah it's a great image right most of us is like oh yeah we're trying to build this great thing and yet we're like in the in the mailroom the whole time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's literally, right, yeah. literally looking at all the envelopes that are that's right, yeah, on that yeah. Desk. Here are these, and also there's these fairy tales, right? Where the the guy's the CEO, he's work, he started off in the mailroom, worked his way up, but he didn't, yeah. he certainly didn't get to be the CEO by staying in the mailroom. Exactly, and so we have our own personal mailrooms with however many thousands of messages <laughs> sitting in front of us, and we have to close that thing down, right? We have to you know, to move on, and it's hard to do ourselves. It's hard to see. Um, 
some of the ways in which we are subconsciously driven to do certain behaviors, right? And, and often the problem is I find with my clients, they're often running significant organizations and they don't always have people to challenge them, right? Or to stretch their thinking. Mm. People don't always want to rock the boat. All these are quite, you know, these are impressive people, right? People, other people might hold them a bit in awe and might not want to be the one challenging them about things. And so mm. I guess my role is to support them and also to stretch their thinking and to say, well, you know, what about if this you didn't do this thing anymore? Or um, you know, what are the key things you need to be focusing on right now? What is going to move the needle? And, and stretching people's um, beliefs. And it's normally it was almost all a question of what do I think I re what do I really think I need to be doing? Right? We might say one thing like, yeah, these are the projects I want to do, but we're actually driven by this other thing, which is I don't want to, you know, I mustn't mustn't let down this constituency over here or I mustn't have any risk over here. And those things we might need to reconsider. Hmm. All right. Well, this is wonderful, Richard. I'm sure there's a lot more we could explore in, in some of the work you do, but I think there's a couple of really key messages there. And, and I really like the focusing on the impact. You know, where, where do I have the most impact right now? Where do I have the most impact long term? What's the vision and the big big goal um, as the driving um, North Star, to use your terms. Mm. All right, I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, and it's designed to tap into your experience and hopefully inspire the listeners to go and do something awesome today as a result of your answers. So it's the same five questions I ask every guest. and. Mm. Um, yeah, you ready? <laughs> yeah, you're ready to go. Bring it on. All right. So, what do you think the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative is? Go for a walk in nature. <laughs> Simple as that. Unplug yeah. and go and have a think. Yeah, I love that answer. Quite a few people have given answers like that, and and I certainly I'm a keen cyclist, and with this COVID, I've been doing lots of cycling on my own. And I find when I'm out on my own on the bicycle, I kind of turn off and and hmm. often I go for an hour and often I come back with five or six ideas that I've got to quickly write down because I yeah. didn't want to stop along the way. But yeah, exactly. All right. So I go for a walk in nature, clear the mind. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? I think looking for patterns in conversations, uh, for example, I started to spot that at a certain stage in my engagement with almost every leader and team, there was this discussion around, I'm stuck in the weeds. And that's where I realized this is a big topic, right? So I'm in a bit of writing, um, writing a book on that topic. I've, I launched a program last year called the Executive Productivity Accelerator to, uh, to help people who aren't necessarily taking my high end one-on-one -on -one high touch coaching programs go through a process to free themselves up for strategic activity by looking at those things we talked about mindset and and, mm. and behavior and leadership uh, and difficult conversations and that only came out because i was looking for patterns right what's the thing that's coming up in different conversations mm. and recognizing opportunities where you can serve and make a difference have an impact absolutely yeah exactly mm. Great, I love it. All right, now, favorite resource of yours that you use most often? 
My favorite resource. Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking it through the lens of, um, of perhaps you know innovation, um, as this is the innovation round. And I'm thinking one tool which I, I love to use, and I build it into my my coaching practice, is called, called a tool called the GC Index. Uh, it's a it, um, the GC stands for game changing. Uh, it was developed. It's kind of like a personality test, but it mm -hmm. measures the impact that you want to make. So that's obviously why I love it. I'm a, a very close partner yeah. of, this, of this group. Um, measures the impact that you want to make in a business context. And the reason I like this is because, you know, nobody ever makes a business decision using a Myers-Briggs test uh, or whatever, right? But this actually allows you to understand, does this person, you know, really want to be a game changer, like shake the system up, bring something that's uh, disruptive and, and creative? You know, or are they more of a strategist? You know, do they want to, are they more of a thinker? Are they more of a planner? Are they more of somebody trying to understand how things work? You know, do they want to get things done? Do they want to bring the team together? Do they want to continually build and innovate upon the existing processes and frameworks? So what I find is it's a really, really helpful way to make the invisible visible about people and actually understand where they're going to like get lit up and go the extra mile. It's not about strengths exactly. It's more about motivation and energy and what we find is when organizations start to tap into the energy of their people mm. then you take people around the whole innovation cycle from having the idea making sense of it getting it into operations and building upon it mm. that's a great tool that i love the gc index okay i'll have to check that one out i'm not familiar with that is that it sounds a little like the disc Profiling, or certainly the advanced disk profiling, or am I missing something there? Um, I think the, I mean, the disk shows a lot about kind of interaction styles and and and, mm. and these kind of things. So I say, uh, and I, I know organisations that use both together in complementary. Mm. But I think um, the GC index is it's more it's say it's more tapping into what the impact you want to make rather okay. than how you're showing up as you're doing it, right? So. Um, you know, you might personality-wise, for example, or interaction styles might differ. And hmm. um, what what we're really interested in is, well, what do you really, you know, what actually really energizes and excites you? Yeah, yeah. Um, what lights you up? Hmm. Which which is and it's great. And there is an article on my website actually, which is uh, I think probably one of the most detailed articles out there um, on the GC index, just because I found hmm. it to be a really useful, um, a really useful tool, and it complements a lot of the personality assessments or leadership assessments that a lot of organizations already use hmm. all right great well we'll link to that in the show notes and people can read through that all right now what's the best way to keep a client on track i think create powerful agreements up front hmm. so normally we operate on expectations we don't quite clarify what we're expecting and, and what the other person needs from us and we need from them but creating agreements up front tends to uh, solve so many problems. When I'm working with teams, teams are incredibly complex. Anyone says to solve a team's issues, you have to take them through a five-step process is wrong. I mean, there's, it, it's a complex integrated system and lots of dynamics in the room. And that's where you see it especially. Um, like all the difficulties I've had um, working with teams, you know, because it's always messy. I and mean, you can always, almost always boil it down to, did we create the agreements at the start? well enough mm. all the different stakeholders did they create agreements with themselves about what they want to do how they wanted to do what how they wanted to work um what they wanted to work on so all of these things uh, require agreements uh, 
I had a, a client who was um, who was working with the team, it was doing really well, um, a really interesting workshop. And we'd, we'd agreed at the start a whole list of expectations, you know, agreements that we wanted to make, you know, be present, phones away, listen to each other, all these kind of things, right? Um, we were going through a session where everybody in the team was, ex just in one minute, was telling the team about their experience of the highs and lows of being in the team from their perspective. And I'd encourage everyone to really listen and focus on your colleagues. This is what they're, te they're telling you, really valuable information here. And so everyone was, was, was listening. And we got to the third person, and there was a guy in the other part of the room, Steve, and he was on his phone. <laughs> so I stopped the conversation and said, hey, Steve, uh, you're on your phone. What's going on? Um, if, so I, said, I, no, I think I said, is there a problem? Steve, is there a problem? He was like, oh, he looked up from his phone. No, why? Why do you ask? Oh, you're on your phone. Is there an emergency or something? If there's an emergency, do you feel free to step out the room and, and deal with it? Hmm. And he said, no, 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 it's fine. I was just doing, dealing with an email. At which point I went to the board, tapped my finger on the board and pointed to the area which said no phones. I said, look, half an hour ago, we all went around the room. Um, we, wrote the, we invented these things, everyone came up with these ideas, and we all put our hands up on each point to signal that we agreed and were prepared to abide by these rules that we built for each other, this agreement. So, what's going on? At which point he was like, yeah, okay, good point. Phone went away, didn't come back out again. Now, the point was, I couldn't have challenged him so boldly yeah, yeah. If, we, if he hadn't already signed up to it. Because then I was just asking him to keep his word, right? Do what yeah, he, yeah. he was going to do. And that's an easy thing to say, uh, whereas if we hadn't have built that agreement, hmm. I would have been the one you going, hey, yeah, you know, you're on your phone, yeah. this is my meeting, I need to be involved, hmm. you know, I just come out like a, come with a jerk, and he'd be quite right in saying, well, you know, get lost, I'm, I've got a lot of things to do, you don't understand my world, I've got a lot of priorities, this isn't my top priority right now, and I wouldn't, hmm. wouldn't have much, too, much power in that conversation. But we'd established the agreement, so there's accountability. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And it's, I mean, it, it's often that way, isn't it? We kind of go into a conversation or, or some arrangement, and we assume that the other person's expectations are the same as ours. And then, of course, when when it comes to the crunch, we suddenly discover hmm, your expectations obviously were different to mine. Exactly. Hmm. All right. And what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? So I'll be a bit daring here because it's <laughs> my answer, which is say something that is BCA. And BCA is something that I came up with a, a friend a while back. We were doing a uh, we, were, we were doing some coaching together actually, and um, we decided that BCA stood for but clenchingly awful. <laughs> which is when you are basically so vulnerable that it's almost it's really physically difficult to say it and to be that transparent and honest about where you're coming from okay so um i don't practice it but like what would it be for me that's something that's really edgy to say right um it's something like well i suppose it's a bit like my clients you know i have a really good CV, you know, if you, I won't go through it now, right? But I've got a, people think it's a pretty impressive track record. Um, you know, I've got some good brands and education and all the rest of it and, you know, uh, and, and achievements under my belt. Uh, and yet deep down, I'm like deeply hungry for impact myself, right? That's why I work on impact, 
because mm. I really want to make a much bigger impact than I'm currently having. Um, and in one way, that is actually what connects me with my clients because they're the same, right? They know that they've got a great CV. They're making, you know, everyone's impressed at what they're doing or what they've done, but they know as well there's so much more. Right. Mm. But so on one hand is what connects me with clients and differentiates me in a way. But on the other hand, yeah. it's really difficult to say because yeah. my sister's mentally handicapped. It's, again, it's a reason why I do what I do. I think she had no opportunities and I've had this high flying career and everything else. But really knowing that, you know, if you have the abilities and the talents and the resources and, and everything else, then you have like a, almost a duty to, make the most of them and serve them in the world, right? It's something which I feel is, is really important. So it, what drives me, but it also taught me to not, not be difficult with my parents, right? It also taught me to, like, to be the strong and independent one who didn't need any help, right? Or didn't need, you know, who was, yeah, yeah. Who was able to get on with it. And, and so admitting to anybody that, you know, I'm, I don't have it all sorted out. I don't have all the answers. Uh, and especially as well as a strategy consultant, right? So you're paid for being the smartest person in the room. You know, you're, you're paid for, um, um, yeah, having, being really smart and having all the answers, uh, and being an expert. And so for me, that's an edgy thing is to admit that I don't always have all the answers, right? And help my clients anyway, right? But, Hmm. that's a bit of an edge. And so this idea of BCA, I just find it a funny way of describing it, which is when it's almost visceral yeah. and embodied that you're actually out there on your edge. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, to me, it's it's that element of human connection, really. Um, you know, I talk a lot about making marketing and podcasting like you're human, making marketing more human. Hmm. Um, and what I what I kind of refer to there is really just building that connection with people who you're serving with your audience or with your clients um, in a way that, you know, you're not just using the technology that we have today. You talked about the technology or whatever. We're just using the technology or we're just sitting behind the email, yeah. um, typing an email to somebody. We're actually communicating with them at a people-to-people -people level. And I think um, what you said there with the but clinchingly awful <laughs> Is is a way to have them see, yep, yeah, I can relate to that person. Exactly. And, yeah. And whether you've got everything worked out or not, if you're good at what you do, I think that's that's the important thing. And often um, we learn from other people's struggles as well. Yeah, and, it's exactly. It's about by, communicating. Yeah, it's about communicating on our edge a little bit and, and being open, mm. so that people can see not just the polished veneer, but a bit about who yeah. we are. And what's really going on? Yeah, not with oversharing, but with yeah. Um, that's right. Just it's got to be a balance, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for getting us through the buzz. So um, now, where can people find out more about you? Reach out and maybe even get in touch to say thanks for what you shared today. I guess a couple of areas. First one, obviously, is um, my website xquadrant.com. Um, find out about uh, everything that we're doing there. Uh, LinkedIn obviously is a great place for people to, you know, connect. I would just add something to those connection messages rather than just send an anonymous <laughs> connection messages where I have no idea. But if you just say that you heard me on the podcast, that would be great. Uh, and, um, obviously I do have, as you mentioned, my own podcast, which is called the Impact Multiplier CEO. Uh, what we look, do there is we interview, uh, really interesting founders and CEOs of, of different tech and digital companies. 
um, or fast-growing companies. Um, and I'll also share some of my own insights uh, from various themes coming out of client discussions. Uh, and probably the, the final thing if around this particular topic of kind of executive productivity, I do have a short little uh, productivity assessment, uh, which is like 10 questions. It just gives you a sense of actually how strategically are you using your time right now? Uh, and then it also gives you an option. There's no, you don't need to put your email address in or anything. You can just do the assessment. But at the end, there is an option to sign up for a course I did called Freeing Yourself Up for Strategic Activity. It's a totally free course. It's just a, a series of, of emails uh, to kind of look at some of these topics we've been discussing in more detail. The, um, the address for that is xquadrant.com slash go slash productivity assessment. And you just need a little hyphen in between productivity and assessment to find that. But that's quite a fun thing to do. It just takes about 60 seconds. It'll give you a sense of where you are on that scale. Uh, and uh, and you might then want to um, go a bit deeper. All right. Sounds fun. So we'll have all those links in the show notes, of course, and I might have to do that uh, assessment myself. And yes, LinkedIn um, connection requests without any message is one of my favorite bugbears <laughs> i would certainly encourage if people reach out to richard to let him know a that they heard him on this podcast and b what they enjoyed most about what he's shared perfect all right uh finally who else should i get on this show and why richard well i was thinking i have a, a former colleague called clive grinier who is the head of service design at the royal college of art uh, he's a very interesting guy. I knew him from my days at Cisco. Uh, he, so he's worked in tech. He also worked in finance. He ran service uh, design at Barclays. Um, he's a visiting lecturer at various places. And I think he's a really interesting person at this intersection of design and innovation and tech and art and finance and all, the, all these areas. So I think you might have a fun conversation. All right. Well, that's great. We'll get an introduction to Clive from you and reach out to him to bring him on the show as well. There we go. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Richard. This has been fun. I've, I've learned quite a bit. And, um, you know, we've had a great conversation around changing mindsets in terms of elevating the performance or 10xing performance or your, your big goal is 100xing the performance. And also, I like, you know, you said early on, and I think this is really important, it's asking ourselves, you know, what is it that I can do? Not asking ourselves, what is it that I can do, but rather asking, what do I need to be to achieve mm. this, to make that impact that I want to have, which I think is a much more powerful question. So thanks for all of that and all the best for the future. And let's stay in touch. Thanks, Yogan. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that fascinating and really informative conversation with Richard and took something away from his episode, something that you can turn into concrete action today. I love Richard's emphasis on who I need to be to achieve my goals rather than focusing on what I need to do. Of course, we need to do the things that we need to do, but focusing on who I need to be first as a core, I think, is so valuable and so powerful. I'd love to know what you took away from Richard's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Richard Medcalf. 
That is R-I-C-H-A-R-D-M-E-D-C-A-L-F. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Richard Medcalf. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Richard, as well as links to the X Quadrant website, to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast, to Richard's social media pages, and all the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, please do share it with as many other people that you think it might help as you can. That will really 10x your impact. And we'd love you to leave a review on this episode because we really want to learn how we can continue to improve and make this better for you and all of our listeners. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and there you can pick your preferred platform to leave a review. And also you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. Richard suggested that we have a conversation with the Head of Service Design at the Royal College of Art, Clive Grinyer, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Clive, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Richard Medcalf. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up including the founder of Social Abundance Marketing, Wendy Manganaro, and Josh Green of The Matha Group. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.